0: Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. The most important question for all of us to answer is, who is Jesus Christ? And it seems as if everyone has their own answer to that question and an opinion regarding Him. In fact, more books have been written about Jesus than anyone who's ever lived in the history of the world. But what would be right, what would be fair, is to not just consider what everyone else has to say about Jesus, but instead to listen to what Jesus has to say about himself. In fact, that's the way you and I would want to be treated if people misrepresented us, if if people were maligning us, criticizing us, spoke ill of us, we'd want them to first hear what we have to say, to be able to speak on our own behalf. Well, we get this magnificent opportunity today to do just that in the Gospel of Luke. Over the course of three years of his ministry, we've seen Jesus' fame and authority and popularity grow. And he's now journeyed to the big city of Jerusalem, and along the way, he's gathered quite a following. We've been following his footsteps since the opening of the book of Luke. Well, because he's got this following, that makes him opposed by the political and religious leaders because he's declaring himself to be a king to be God. And that infuriates the religious leaders and the political leaders, because they see the people in large numbers are loving Jesus and wanting to follow Him. Well, at this point in the story, Jesus has been arrested, and now they're going to put Him through a series of false trials that are occurring under the cover of darkness over the course of a night. And so they were both cowardly and illegal. This is not a fair trial. This is in every way an effort to legally justify murder. That's all it is. We find the story in Luke 22 beginning at verse 63. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, prophesy, who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. So they arrest Jesus and three things happen. They blindfold him, they beat him, they blaspheme him. If you'll indulge me just for a moment, I want to invite you to to close your eyes. Would you close your eyes and imagine? You can't see anyone. You can't see anything. You are encircled by a mob of violent, angry men. And these men begin beating you, punching you, assaulting you. You can't see where the blows are coming from. You can't protect yourself, defend yourself. You can't fight back. You're utterly, absolutely defenseless. And this mob is laughing and joking. These are bullies and thugs. They're men who get a kick out of making you bleed. You're getting punched in the nose, in the mouth, the ear, the face, the throat, the kidney, in the back. Open your eyes. That's Jesus. This is a beating late at night by a mob of men in which there are no other witnesses. And this is all being overseen by religious leaders. They blindfold Jesus. They beat Jesus. They blaspheme him. In other words, they are speaking ill of him and cursing him and dishonoring him. You see, the Bible is great to tell us that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize in our weaknesses. Because our Lord Jesus Christ has been there. He was physically assaulted. Jesus was beaten. His dignity taken away. Maybe someone has made your life painful. They've hurt you. The God of the Bible understands He has been there Himself. Now come a series of questions and this accusations that you'll see, and you'll see them continue into next week as well, the questions are really about one issue. Are you the only God? That's it. They've got one point to press him on because if they can get Jesus to say openly, publicly, I am God, then the religious leaders can justify his execution because he'd be committing blasphemy, that is claiming to be God. And the political leaders could use the state's authority to put him to death because in declaring himself to be the king of kings, he's putting himself over Caesar. So that is a reason for treason. Jesus never sinned. He told the truth. But they're judging him by religious and legal laws. And you've got to know that if Jesus were not God, this is the time to articulate it, okay? because they're not idle threats. This is a mob of angry men leaning forward, asking questions, fists clenched, encircling him without witnesses. They've already beaten him mercilessly, and when they say, we will kill you, answer this question, are you God? It's like someone putting a gun to your head. And at that moment... If you were to lie, it would be for your own survival. Jesus does not lie. He tells the truth. And in three ways, he's going to declare himself to be the only God, knowing that he's going to be put to death in a brutal, bloody way. And so begins this interrogation at daybreak. The council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together. And Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, If I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. So their question is, Are you the Messiah? That's their way of asking, are you the only God? Because you see, Messiah was a title. Messiah in Hebrew, Christ in Greek. So what they're asking is, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Which means, are you the anointed one? Are you the chosen one? Are you the special one? The awaited one? Because God's people have been waiting for a redeemer, a savior, a, a deliverer. The question is, are you He? Are you God among us? Are you here to save? Is that who you think you are, God? Are you the Messiah, the Christ? Jesus' answer is along the lines of, you know that's what I've said many times, and that's why I'm on trial, that's why I'm here, and I would tell you again, but you're not going to believe me. Your hearts are not receptive. Your minds are not open. You should believe that I am the Christ. But it doesn't matter how many times I tell you, you are not going to believe me. He's publicly confessing, yes, that's who I am. That's exactly who I am. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. See, some of you have been lied to. You've been told that Jesus never said He was God, that Jesus was a good teacher and a nice man. He never said He was God. He did. He repeatedly, emphatically, clearly said He's the only God. That's why they're putting Him to death after blindfolding Him and beating Him and blaspheming Him. Some people are more prone and and prefer certain other parts of the Gospels, and they'll say, well, yeah, Jesus loved children. Uh, he was a friend to marginalized people, women, poor, outcasts. All that is exactly true, but that's not why they killed him. None of those are the reasons that motivated them to arrest him, blindfold him, beat him, and blaspheme him. One one thing caused all of that. He said he was God. So Jesus continues. He's still speaking to them. He says, but from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. Number one, I am the Messiah. Number two, I am the Son of Man. And we hear this. We hear this description, and maybe we don't understand what is it that that title means. Well, the people in the, that are doing the Inquisition understand because these are religious leaders. They would have known, because Jesus lifts this phrase out of the language of the Bible. Now, they will quote the Bible. They will say they believe the Bible, but they don't get the Bible, because the Bible is all about Jesus. And he goes roughly 700 years prior, and he quotes from Daniel chapter 7. And it is Jesus' favorite designation for himself. In all four Gospels, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man some 80 times. So let's revisit where this comes from. Again, it comes from Daniel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit some 700 years before Jesus is even born on the earth. In Daniel 7, we read, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. So somebody's coming. Where are they coming from? Heaven. So, He exists before He enters human history. This is God, the Creator, dwelling eternally in His heavenly kingdom. And He's like a Son of Man. He's going to take on human flesh. He's going to look like the rest of us. He's going to appear among us as one of us. He approached, this one like a Son of Man, approached the Ancient of Days, and was led into his presence. Well, that's God the Father. So now here are two named ruling in heaven together. The first member of the Trinity, the Ancient of Days, God the Father, and one like the Son of Man, that's the second member of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus, who comes into human history, sent on a mission by God the Father, creator, entering creation, the God of heaven, coming on a mission to earth. What more do we know about this one from Daniel? He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. This one, like a son of man, is to be worshipped. As only God would be worshipped. The eternal creator is king of kings, And Lord of Lords, he rules over all peoples, all languages, all cultures, all religions, all times, all places. This is as big as it gets. And how long will his kingdom last? His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. That's a massive statement. The eternal creator is going to come like a man into human history, and everyone is to worship him, honor him, glorify him. He's establishing a kingdom that will never end. He'll live forever, and His people will live forever under His rule. And so here are God's people. They've been waiting for hundreds of years. Who is this one son of man? God become a man. It's Jesus Christ, the one who is to be worshiped, whose dominion lasts forever. And Jesus continues in a third way to declare himself to be God. They all asked, are you then the Son of God? He replied, you say that I am. Well, that's a little cryptic. That's a little ambiguous of an answer, don't you think? Jesus doesn't just answer their question, are you the Son of God, with a yes, I am. Why is that? I think because Jesus doesn't fit into their categories, instead He blows up their categories. You see, their expectation for what the Messiah would be is a political and military leader. And if Jesus answers, yes, I am the Son of God, with straightforward, He's put into their category, they want Him, their expectation is to overthrow Rome, who's got control of them right now. And if he were to say, no, I'm not the Son of God, then he'd be lying because he is the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, that God has been prophesying for hundreds of years through the prophets. They first ask, are you the Messiah? He says, yes, but then he ups the ante and he says, I'm the Son of Man. So they come back at him, so you're saying, you're the Son of God. Then they said, "Why do we need any more testimony? We've heard it from his own lips. He's guilty." It's as if you were brought into court, you were put on a stand and the attorney says, "How do you plead?" and your only response is guilty to all charges. There's no need to bring additional witnesses, there's no need for a long deliberation, there's no need to take it to the jury. It's over. Here's what's sad. God comes to earth, and we put Him on trial. We put God on trial. And you know, we still do that today. It happens in psychology. It happens in philosophy. It happens in history, in theology, in spirituality. People judge Jesus all the time. Aha, you said you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through you. But that seems very intolerant. Guilty of intolerance, Jesus. You said we're all sinners? That seems very negative, very primitive. Jesus, your ideas are outdated. Guilty. Okay, Jesus, you talked about hell more than anybody else in the Bible. Well, we took a vote in our community college study group. We're studying philosophy, and we're doing that with a guy with long hair that likes playing hacky sack. He's a professor, and he's working on his degree, and he seems very smart, so we took a vote, and we thought that a lot of the things you said were pretty offensive, so we have to reject them. How many of you have judged? jesus you don't like what he said you don't like how your life is going here's my question to you will you trust jesus or someone else and if you trust someone else why are they smarter than jesus are they better than jesus have they made a bigger difference than jesus Are they more selfless, more humble than Jesus, more loving than Jesus, more truthful than Jesus? The answer is no. Look, we don't believe Jesus is God because of something that was made up. We don't believe Jesus is God because the early church made that up. We believe Jesus is God because He said He is God. We believe Jesus is God because, well, Jesus is God. And He rose from death to prove He's the only God. And you need to know, you need to know that you are loved so much that He came into human history to become a person, to identify with you. He lived without sin. He died on a cross. He rose conquering Satan, sin, and death. And He invites you on this day to trust in Him. So that His death would be your death. His righteousness will be your righteousness. His life will be your life. He will be your God. And you would be a citizen of His kingdom forever with Him. Friends, this is the day of your salvation. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.